goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, my friends, to the Thursday edition of Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. That number, 800-848-9222. It is Thursday in America and many parts of the free world. That means it is time for us to speak with Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, how are you this week? James, always great to be with you. You know, I love spending my Thursdays with you. And I love having you here, too, on Bo Snerly's Rush Hour. Andrew, there is an endorsement that was made. Tell us about it. And uh, and this is, I'm, I'm assuming this is for the Santos seat, correct? The ex-Santos seat, now in Habited by a Democrat. And, of course, that seat's going to be up for grabs in November again. Uh, that's the one we're talking about here? Well, it's actually, believe it or not, even though the endorsement was made for the U.S. Senate, it is from somebody who was thinking about running for that Santos seat. So he does reside okay, not from Santa. that it's, same this difference. Is for the, okay, this is for the U.S. Who is it? What is it? Educate me. Help me. So the, the New York GOP, with uh, 85% of the weighted vote today, ended up endorsing a former detective, New York detective for 20 years, Mike Sapricone. And that's all great. Here's the biggest problem, though, James. Uh, he has given, over the last five years, $140,000 to Democrats. And he's given a lot less to Republicans. He's given $37,000 to Tom Swazi. He's given $10,000 to Andrew Tom, Cuomo. Wait, wait, wait. Tom, Tom, wait. Tom Swazi. Yes. That's the guy that's now sitting in the seat that Republicans couldn't wait to get rid of uh, Santos out of, correct? Precisely. Exactly. And he gave how much to him? He gave $37,000 over the last five years to Tom Swazi. And Republicans endorsed him. On top uh-huh. of that... I got a couple more for you. So I mentioned Andrew Cuomo, $10,000 to Andrew Cuomo. By the way, in his third term, so we're not talking Andrew Cuomo in 2011 or 2012. We're talking in 2019, gave $10,000 to Andrew Cuomo. He gave uh-huh. $1,000 to Letitia James in 2022. Oh, come on. Come on. On my life. You can look it up. Come on. Sapricone. Look up the donations Sapricone has made. To uh, on open secrets, right? You can look it up there. You can look it up on a couple of different websites. It's right out there. And one more donation, which boggled my mind as well. Todd Kaminsky, who the, great, the late, great Bernard McGurk used to talk about almost every single day because he was from Nassau County and he was the author of the bail reform bill. And sure enough, Mike Sapricone, the New York GOP endorsement for U.S. Senate has donated to all four of those characters. I don't even know why we're calling her Republican anymore. To be perfectly honest, James, I, I don't. I don't understand. I, I've kind of are there my no mind Republicans is boggled. Left, are there no Republicans left in New York besides you and 
and your dad. Is that it? <laughs> there were none. They all left. They all it, it moved do- to other states. It that, doesn't, that has to be it. It doesn't seem in the New York Republican establishment that there's anybody that's actually willing to go and stand up and say, hey, let's have a primary. Let's actually see what these other candidates are going to actually put on the table, what they're going to offer here, and, and maybe we'll allow will allow the voters to decide. Because guess what? Because if the voters went and looked at this donation record and to see who they're assisting here, then they would tell you in two seconds that this is this is not what we want from our Republican Party. And even the conservative chair has said, who's worked very closely with the Republican Party recently, has said this is a non-viable candidate. It's disqualifying when you've gone and given money to Letitia James when she's talked dozens of times about getting Donald Trump, that her mission for becoming attorney general of the state of New York so that way she could get Trump. Remember, hey-ho, hey-ho, Donald Trump has got to go. That's what she was saying, and you're donating to her. What? Has has this guy said anything about his donations? Has he tried to defend them? Not that I have heard. I don't know if he's been asked the question. And by the way, for those listening out there, James, I'm sure you... You have him on to ask the question. I'd be happy to have him on to ask the question. I'm sure many people here. At, I'd be at happy WABC to have you ask the question. <laughs> I'd be happy that we invite him one Thursday and let you speak with him. How's that? We let's just let's try to do it. Uh, count me in any Thursday, any time that you'd like. I'd be happy to. <laughs> this is astounding. It is. This it, well. It, Oh, Andrew, yeah. well, I was seriously, what the, my head is spinning. This is un, what was the grand total of donations to Democrats? One hundred and forty thousand dollars since twenty nineteen. So over the last five years, one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Now, look, he has given to Republicans as well, but he's given significantly less oh, to Republicans. Must be loaded. I, I think he's got a successful security company. Uh, that he mm. built up, and he's realized, I think, in order to do business in New York State, that he has to give to Democrats, and that's probably how he justifies this. But, I mean, it, to me, if you start giving money to the Todd Kaminsky's and the Letitia James of the world when they've gone out there and said what they want to do, how they want to use the law against their political opponents, uh, you now are underwriting the enemy here. And you shouldn't be the New York GOP uh, pick for who's going to go out and try to uh, remove Kristen Gillibrand from her seat. Well, I mean, it does kind of make sense, though. I mean, Republicans in New York, some of the Republicans, I like the word that they call themselves moderates. They don't want Republicans in the House. I mean, they throw their own out of the House because, you know, they don't want to sit next to a serial liar. Yeah. Uh, so they say, and then they'd rather sit next to Democrats. So here you have another guy. Just let's give the money to the Democrats. Let's, let's, especially the Democrats that gave us this, uh, this, this bail reform that lets criminals, murderers, rapists, and everything else under the sun out of the street instead of in jail, uh, where they should be. It's astounding. It really is, and it, it to me, it's just. Um... You know, when are, I guess, the when's the Republican establishment in New York going to wake up and say, hey, this is not what Republican voters, this is not what New Yorkers who are Republican, whichever ones are left, because it's just another reason that Republicans are looking and saying, well, what does New York have for me if my party's not even going to get up there and stand up for me and going to be tough? When you've got a school system that seems to be going after you, when you have prosecutors that are going after you. 
It's one after another. Did you just say school system? I did. You did. I have a story, Andrew. I didn't even, I didn't even <laughs> alert you to this one earlier. James, in I was Park lucky. Slope. I got a great education, so. <laughs> in Park Slope, Brooklyn. In Park Slope. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, while we, while we, ah, here it is. I found it. Andrew, get this. New York City school gives kids as young as five woke BLM coloring book with queer trans affirming lessons. A New York City elementary school is facing criticism for doling out a woke Black Lives Matter coloring book to kids as young as five that features queer and transgender affirming lessons and teachings on revolutionary politics. According to a report, students at PS321 in Brooklyn's Park Slope, which teaches children from kindergarten through fifth grade, were handed What We Believe, a Black Lives Matter Principles activity book, the coloring book. Wow. Uh, they, they, used black, they used Black History Month as a guise to slip them this propaganda. Thirteen guiding principles of the BLM movement. By big mansions. Um, no, that's not in there. <laughs> it should be. That might be in the footnotes. You might have to look in the footnotes yeah. for that one. Some parents, however, insisted the coloring book didn't actually teach their kids about black history, instead presented controversial ideas. That's it. Let's, let's just, let's just under the guise of black history, let's give these kids this woke, transgender, queer, affirming lessons. And uh, and and go with this whole Black Lives Matter stuff. By the way, nobody's ever accounted for all those that that money. The, I heard reports that the total money that was raised during the summer of hate was I'm sorry, the summer of love or whatever they were calling it, <laughs> the summer of let's burn down American cities was well over a billion dollars, wow. and no one has ever accounted for any of the money. And they kept saying, and all these corporations kept going on, oh, yeah, we're going to donate to BLM because it's time for a change, by golly. We need a change. We, well, uh, 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 what's changed? Where's the money? And it's a great what point. Happened? And, and well, James, I the- guess the, what, some of the money had to go into this little coloring book here uh, to teach black little kids five years old how they can be another gender and, and, uh, and that they should perhaps consider a life as being homosexual. I mean, that's, I guess, what we're teaching kids as young as five years old and these are the people by the way if you say why are you grooming kids they want to say oh god you are terrible how dare you suggest we're grooming kids what do you call this yeah and no james to me and i have a two-year-old daughter and when my wife and i think of all the problems that new york city is facing right now the biggest problem that we have is what is her education going to look like? And that's in public school, that's in Catholic school, potentially, whatever that is, because they are pushing this curriculum, which is just completely toxic. And to us, as parents, we want her to have a solid base in reading, writing, and mathematics, because then then she has the basis of which she can learn to critically think. And this oh, is stop, Andrew. You want your child to be educated. How dare you? <laughs> You want your child to be educated in, in actually being able to think for yes. herself yep. instead of actually following the Democrat, liberal, progressive party line as an education, instead of being indoctrinated. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And here's what I wanted to do. 
I want her to have the opportunity to be able to go and listen to James Golden's opinion on an issue and even Rachel Maddow's opinion on an issue. And I want her to have the sense to be able to go and to look at the arguments that both are making and say, you know what, what actually is better for my community, what's better for my family, what's better for my country, what's better for our collective faith. Uh, because if you actually give people the tools to be able to learn how to critically think, then guess what? You're going to have a better community, a better country. And sadly, sadly, our school system has been tearing that down over the last couple of decades. And it just seems like it's in, it's in hyperdrive right now. But this is a great example of it, a great example. Well, hey, well, if you want your kid to have a great education, apparently, stay away from Park Slope, Brooklyn, PS321. And those of you parents who are unfortunate enough to have your kids in that school, perhaps you ought to, if you can afford it, consider getting them out in somewhere where they will not be indoctrinated and perhaps have a good education. Uh, New York City, you'll find this story today in the Daily BS. Blue City, a law allowing non-citizens to vote ruled unconstitutional. <gasps> what? A New York City law that would allow non-citizens to vote. Just wrap your arm, wrap your brain around that. A New York City law that would allow non-citizens to vote in local elections was deemed unconstitutional by a state appeals court on Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. First of all, can't believe it actually happened. A state appeals court in New York actually came down on the right side of an issue. The law would have allowed roughly 800,000, wrap your brain around that, 800,000 green card holders and individuals with federal work authorization living in New York to vote in city elections. It's, Appeals it's, Court said, nope, you're not citizens, you can't vote. You know you know what, James? And, and here's the thing. First off, uh, kudos to uh, the judges that looked at this and said, this is unconstitutional. I can't believe it actually wasn't unanimous. I think it was a three-to-one vote where there was one vote that said this does not allow municipalities to be able to go and, and conduct their own elections. No, you can conduct your own elections as long as it's consistent with the New York State and U.S. Constitution. This is not consistent with the New York State Constitution because guess what? It says very clearly in the New York State Constitution that non-citizens cannot vote. Specifically, it says New York citizens can vote. And then what the city council tried to do here is they tried to have temporary residents, as long as you've been in New York City for 30 days, to vote. Well, James, you don't live under a rock, and neither do our listeners. What's been happening in New York here for the last year and a half? We've had a hundred Invasion. Yes. Invasion. Exactly. 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 Andrew, let's take a break. And when we, I want you to stay, because I want to take some phone calls with you today, Andrew. Oh, I'm here. So stick around. All right, 1943, heavenly birthday today, American singer Louise Lopez, Odyssey. This is one of my favorite from the era. This is New York. Huge success during the disco days and still a great song.
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Nineteen seventy-five, AWB, the average white band. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, the average white band. Scott, <laughs> bunch of Scotsmen. They were average white band. Went to number one. Was this one? Pick up the pieces. Their album AWB also scored huge. It was number one. On the uh, album chart. A funky thing, that. Yes, Andrew Giuliani. James, I guess all bands matter, huh? Oh, hey, I like that. All (laughs) bands matter. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Hey, what are you, Andrew, where do you weigh in with this business with the uh, Arizona prosecutor who's refusing to turn over the murder suspect that they're holding out there because <laughs> the implication is that if we give him back to New York, he'll be roaming the streets in no time. We're going to keep him here. We're going to charge him. We're going to make sure that no matter what, this guy spends some time behind bars. What do, you, what do you think about this? I think it's a legitimate concern, right? I mean, when you look at what's happened with Bragg over the last couple of years, it, she has a legitimate concern that for some reason the bail will be set too low or maybe there won't even have to post bail or something like that and the guy will be able to get out and then potentially flee the country so i think it's a, a real concern uh, and to me she's not saying that new york won't have an opportunity to prosecute they will she just wants to get the first crack at this to make sure that at least some justice is served so arizona goes first on this because he's in custody in maricopa county and then he ends up holding trial, having trial in Maricopa County. He presents his defense. If he ends up getting convicted in Maricopa County, guess what? He still goes to New York, and he actually has a trial in New York rather than uh, under, by the way, under the fact that he's in jail, in prison. He's actually going to go in uh, in custody, in cuffs, uh, versus potentially being left out in New York. And then the victims in Arizona, then they don't have potentially justice. They don't have the answers uh, that they uh, that they so seek. So uh, to me, this this just makes sense because she's looking at uh, what New York has done and saying, "Hey, look, the, he might never, ever, ever actually have justice served." Let's go to Brooklyn, Robert. You are on the air, Andrew Giuliani and Bo Snurley. Lucky you, Robert. What's on your mind this afternoon? Hi, Bo. Hi, Andrew. Um, I just want to talk about what Andrew was saying, what Rudy was talking about before about Mike Saprocone. It's a horrible, horrific pick. You didn't give one penny to Trump. But what I want to bring to the audience's attention, very important, Rudy said he endorsed Kara Castronova. Rudy also pointed out there are two candidates who are good, both Kara Castronova and John Eisen. 
But my concern is, is this classical, you have a rhino, if they split the conservatives, the MAGA people, if we split it between two people, Karen and Eisen, that could allow the rhino, Saprocone, to win. So I encourage Trump and Giuliani, both Andrew and Rudy, to support Karen Castano. I think she's the better choice. She's been very supportive of the J-Sexers. And it's very important we get behind at least one conservative, not to split the vote. And that's very, very important. James, do you mind if I go on this for uh Go take it, bro. I'm I'm listening too. I'm like, ooh, what's Andrew gonna say about this? Well, to that point, here's what I suggest. I suggest that over the next month or so that both Kara Castronova and Josh Eisen, and by the way, Mike Sapricone as well, can come to the defense of these things that we've said, of these facts that we've been able to go up through his uh through his past contribution uh uh, uh history. And they can have an opportunity to present their case. So then that way New Yorkers can actually say, hey, you know what, I support Kara Castronova or I support Josh Eisen. Or maybe they'll say, you know what, I do support Mike Sapricone. But this shouldn't be a party boss's decision. This should be the collective choice of New Yorkers after they get all of the information. And this just seems to be like your traditional... Albany deal, which gets done in the cloud of darkness, if you will, and New Yorkers are kind of foisted a candidate upon themselves, and and they don't really know actually uh, anything about the candidate until it's the general election, and then you look, well, is he going to be better than Gillibrand? I guess he'll be better than Gillibrand, maybe. Uh, Well, shouldn't we actually know from the very beginning who these candidates are? What do you say about that, Robert? What do you think, huh? Eh? Eh? Good idea? Um, eh? I, I, hear, I hear, I hear, obviously this is America, people should have freedom to run. However, Trump and However, Rudy Giuliani should endorse, should endorse the best candidate. Should endorse your candidate. Because I, <laughs> well, Look, I love what Robert, I love your call. And I'm going to encourage you to call back, man. You are well-informed. Love the call. Thank you. He is Let's head out to Mineola. In Long Island. Hey, Jimmy, you're up. How are you? WABC, Bo Snerdy's Rush Hour. You got Andrew Giuliani, and you got Bo Snerdy. What's up, Jimmy? I am thrilled to speak to both of you guys. Bo, I spoke to you a few times in the past. Andrew, hello. Uh, Bo, I wanted to, maybe you'll remember this call on the Friday before the election. I happen to live in that district, and I was ranting and raving, telling you how I believe when Santos ran, Jack the Ripper could have won as a Republican. That We were ready to have a Republican win that seat. Now we picked the wrong guy uh, with him. I, I went on to tell you we picked the wrong lady with Mozzie Pillip, and now we're picking more wrong people. And the name that keeps coming up, I believe it's a Joe Cairo. Well, is this guy keeps failing on the people he's picking? Is he the guy that's picking these people? I don't know, Andrew. Who is picking these people? Look, he, he is the chairman of the Nassau County uh, and Sapricone is from Nassau County. Um, I know he was big in terms of pushing. I think he was the first chair that endorsed. Um, and look, yeah, you definitely have to question from Nassau County, right? Santos was vetted from Nassau County. By the way, Bo, everything you said before, he should still be in Congress. That man should should have the opportunity to have a trial to present his defense. And if he's convicted, then you talk about him. Then he's removed from Congress. But until you actually have the opportunity to present your defense, I don't care what you think about the guy. You shouldn't remove the person from Congress there. Uh, and then to have Mozzie Pillip, who was still a registered Democrat, who couldn't get the lawfare I mean, question down. They're not doing the vetting very well out in Nassau County, it seems like. And now you've got a guy that's given $140,000 to Democrats, including Letitia James, including the author of the bail reform bill and Todd Kaminsky. 
and we nominate them as a Republican, uh, it's uh, they're, they're missing the vetting process out there in Nassau County, it certainly seems to me. Well, I'll tell you what, something has got to change if they expect to continue to have a, a viable, well, viable, if they continue, let me just scratch that word. Let's scratch the word viable. If they continue, if they want a Republican Party that is capable of growing, yeah. this has got to change, Andrew. You cannot just keep foisting these kind of flawed candidates in front of the Republican Party and saying this is the best we can do. I couldn't agree more. And I have to tell you, a lot of the younger Republicans who I am talking to today over the last couple of days about this, they're furious about it. They really are because they're saying, look, this should be open debate. We should actually see what these candidates present, certainly over the next month or so, so that way New Yorkers could get a real feel. And by the way, when you have three candidates that are going and traveling the state that are pushing out the message, then that actually helps to grow the party over the long term. This shouldn't be one of these things where there's a backroom deal. When you're the minority party in a state, you want as many good people going around the state talking about what Republican principles can actually do for your freedoms. You don't want as few as possible, and you certainly don't want that uh, the standard bearer to be somebody who seems to be donating more to Letitia James's of the world than the Donald Trumps. Andrew, thank you as always. You are a wealth of information. Love the Andrew Giuliani segment on Thursday's Boston Early Rush Hour. Thank you so much, Andrew. You're the best, James. Thank you. 2001 Macy Gay, included of the winners of the 43rd Grammy Award. She won for this song. The first time I heard this woman's voice, I said, is this a joke? Is Donald, has Donald Duck made a record? But no. And then I fell in love with this record. I fell in love with her voice. And then I saw the video and I'm like, you know what? She is really talented. Macy Gay won best pop vocal for this one. I try. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You can dance, every dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. You can smile, every smile for the man who held your hand neath the pale light. But don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're going to be. So, darling, say the last dance for me. There is a profound story behind this song. We had someone actually call the show and tell us the story. I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm not going to go for it, but profound. Uh, today's the heavenly birthday of Bobby Hendricks with the Drifters. And, of course, this was the Drifters, one of the Drifters' big ones. Under the Boardwalk was huge, too. Nineteen sixty. Save the last dance for me. America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, sent me a factoid that I love. 
it's it's in and and this was done well. It's a graphic in a co- in a coffee cup, and the average human walks nine hundred miles per year, and drinks twenty two gallons of coffee. This means that the average human gets about forty one miles per gallon, which is pretty good mileage. Love that, and of course, Miss Churchill and I chat all the time. Miss Churchill is one of America's preeminent songwriters, and she listens to the show, and we are honored to have her as. Uh, a listener to the show. She's out there on the left coast of America. That's all I'll say. I won't identify a place. But she's out there with the lefties. But she listens here every... And we love the left... Look. We like leftists. We don't like your policies. But we love you too. You're American citizens. You're human. I love everybody. Don't like your policies. She's out there surrounded by the lefties. But anyway, she um actually... We've been chatting about the Odyssey song, Native New Yorker. And what an amazingly well-written song it was and it is and how much it fit the era and how much we loved it. And uh, we got that. And then the Countess of Conspiracy and I have been chatting about Michelle Obama. (sighs) I don't know whether I want to get into it. You know, people say things about Michelle Obama, and I have, uh, as much as I... uh, Anyway, and and of course, this all got started with Princess Di, and now it is spread all around the nation. I got it something today. You know, people in Las Vegas are taking bets on whether she's going to be, she's going to run and she's going to win. Uh, it's out in Las Vegas. They say, yes, I know, I know, I know. And I'm going to say it again. Michelle Obama is not going to run for president. If I'm wrong, this is not going to be fun for me. But Michelle Obama, anyway, Princess Di got this thing started, and if she does end up running, I am going to blame Princess Di unmercifully for the entire time we have to put up with it. Okay. I had this story yesterday, didn't have time. I want to get to it today. Experts, and we all know that experts are... Well, expert. Experts. Expert warns restaurants like McDonald's and Cheesecake Factory must, and must is in caps, must end menu cost hikes or risk losing even more customers to supermarkets where price rises are finally, mostly, over. Restaurants from McDonald's to Cheesecake Factory are under pressure to cut prices as the cost of groceries plummet at a faster rate than eating out data shows. Well, I don't know. Groceries aren't plummeting. The cost of groceries, I don't know what store these people, these experts are shopping at, but they're not shopping at the same place I and I shop in stores that the average American shops at. Well, I also shop at Whole Foods, but only for part of my stuff. I mean, you know, if you shop at Whole Foods, you know, high prices, that goes with it. You, you Amazon Prime, Whole Foods, uh, you're going to pay. That's just, you pay, okay? But but I shop at the other places, including Walmart. You know, I'm not going to reveal any locations. I lived in a place where Walmart, I used to call this called ghetto Walmart. Because 
I did because you would. It's like I lived in. I'm not going to reveal the location of this either. I don't want people sending me nasty grams. But I lived in this place. It was like a nice, really nice neighborhood. It was an okay. It was a nice neighborhood. And then I go to Walmart and like I'd be in a different world. It's, it, and I so I just started calling the place Ghetto Walmart. But Ghetto Walmart still had the best prices. You just had to deal with unusual clientele. Anyway, the expert is warning that McDonald's Cheesecake Factory and all these places, the, these endless price hikes are going to cause them to lose a lot of customers because prices at the grocery stores are... Look, I want to know, is this true, ladies and gentlemen? Are you now paying less for food? I don't believe... If I'm wrong, tell me. I'll, no problem. I don't see where things cost less in the supermarket. But they're saying that Mickey D's and Cheesecake Factory, people are starting to notice how much they're paying for the food in these fast food joints, and they're saying, nope, I'd rather eat at home. Now, companion story. American food spending as portion of income hits more than a 30-year high. Americans are spending the highest percentage of disposable income on food since the 1990s as a result of sky-high inflation under President Joe Biden, according to data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Consumer average spending on food climbed to 11.3 of their disposable personal income. That was in 2022. I wonder what it is now. Food prices at home, the food at home prices rose about 5% in 2023. And that's on top of an 11.4 increase in of the previous year. So overall, when you look at it, food prices up 16% just in the last year and a half. So this is the kind of stuff I hope Republicans can, I know this is wishful thinking, I wish I ran the convention sometime because I would have crime night. I keep thinking if I were running the RNC, I would I would have crime night. I would have crime night at the Republican National Convention. The whole freaking night would be nothing but reports of crime in every city, every location, every rape by an illegal immigrant, every murder by every that was let out of jail by Soros prosecutors. All of it. The whole night would be nothing. But the crimes that have been committed in America by not just illegal, because I'm not picking on illegal immigrants, but that's part of the invasion force. Got to say, I did. Boy, I'm just doing stream of consciousness today. I, I thought about this thing last night, and I put a tweet out, and this is true. Let me ask the staff. I always act, love asking the staff a question, a little ebonic there. Let me ask you. I'm going to start with my nephew down here. You are my nephew. Right next, TJ, what was the largest invasion in the history of the world when you look at uh, invasions? What was the largest invasion? D-Day. That's the answer I get from him. D-Day, largest invasion. Okay, Jonas. Jonas, by the way, is that young man I talked about the other day that came dressed for success. He's in training, and now they've elevated him to work on the Bo Snurley program, which means his training's almost done. 
because we don't train them when they're just skippies. Uh, anyway, <coughs> Jonas, I don't know whether or not you know history, but take a stab at it. What was the single biggest invasion in recorded history? I would have to agree with your nephew, D-Day. All right, fine. Uh, Diego, largest invasion in American history. Largest, not just America, largest invasion. Largest invasion. What was it? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's thinking. My mic uh, had a problem. Okay, Uh, what was it? What was it? Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, Was it in World War I? Nope. No. It was... The Spanish conquistadors no, for the Aztec Empire. No? Okay. no, heck no. They didn't even have the troops today. No. Everybody thinks it's D-Day because D-Day was huge. And, and we have never had a war like that since. D-Day, huge. But guess what? D-Day pales in comparison to what has happened in your own country. Do you realize that in just... For years, we have an invasion force in America of 7 million people. This has never happened in world history in any country on the planet. 7 million people, an invasion force. There is no government that could do the logistics, no military, on moving 7 million people into another country like this. America is the target, and we have the largest single invasion known to have occurred in the history of planet Earth, right here in America, under Joe Biden. And so, if I were running the RNC, I would do invasion night. I would contrast it with what happened at World War II. I'd bring out all those pictures of Ike and all those pictures of the strategy sessions, Ike sitting around with guys like Bernard Montgomery, General Patton, all of them. And then I just show everything that's happened at the southern borders and everything with the beast bringing people up from Central and South America. And then I would let America be educated on the nature of the invasion. I would do crime night. I would do invasion night. I would do transgender and, and, and gender education night and surgery night. I'd do it all at the Republican convention. By the time I got through, there'd be no question that Democrats wouldn't be able to get elected the dog catcher. Oh, here's old Elvis. But I, but I can't help. Y'all, I'm, I'm not making fun of your king there. Those of you, Elvis the king, you know, you don't make fun of him. We're playing this for a reason. I always love this song, by the way. Don't, don't you be telling me I'm making fun of Elvis. Elvis Presley was number one. 1962 with this one. On this day, the tracks came from the, uh, from the movie Blue Hawaii. Rockahula Baby was the other side. I don't even remember that one. Rockahula Baby. This one you remember. Time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs. 
This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Music history, sad day, boy. Florence Ballard passed away on this day in 1976. Florence was on 16 of the uh, 40 singles with the Supremes, including this one. She lost. She left in 1967. I, I don't. I never understood whether they kicked her out or she just left. I think they kicked her out. And they replaced her with Cindy uh, Cindy Birdsong. She tried to sue them, lost the million, uh, $8 million lawsuit. Poor thing struggled with alcoholism, depression. She was living on welfare. Florence Ballard was living on welfare when she passed away. The most successful girl group in history. Princess Di has another suggestion for us. A world on fire night. Absolutely, Princess Di. I'm telling you, if I ran the RNC convention, these people wouldn't get a break. I'd do crime night, invasion night, TG and gender night, pocketbook night, where we go into the grocery stores and talk to people about the average Americans. Nothing. No politicians. The average Americans talking about what it's like going in the grocery store. My convention wouldn't be about a bunch of boring-ass politicians all sitting up the same old wah, 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 wah. They'd be talk to the people about what they're experiencing. Do a convention for the American people by the American people. And I would sure do it. By the way, um, D-Day was the largest amphibious invasion known to man, but the Nazis had the biggest invasion with Operation Barbarossa when they sent 3.8 million of their little Nazis over to Russia where they got their butts kicked and froze to death. Now, you think about that, 3.8 million Nazis in Russia, and that isn't about half the size of what has invaded the United States since Joe Biden took office. Think about that. That would be the highlight for Invasion Night. It's time. Let's do it. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. We're going to start with Jerry in Edison. Get right to it, Jerry. Yeah, hi, Bo. I think it's time that a red state prosecutor, attorney general from maybe Montana, for example, would try to say this is election interference and see if 12 out of 23 of those grand jurors find it. It's up to the grand jury it's not us or you or me making that statement. It would be a grand jury find them. And that would take away the legitimacy. Right now, it looks like they're legitimate prosecutions because no one is saying you're interfering with our state law. It's a federal election, but it's under state law. Somebody should try it out. See- I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. It's time for red state prosecutors to jump in it. Let's go to Rick in Mount Vernon. Got to do it quick, Rick. Yeah, James, Rick uh, I got so much to say, but let me say this real quick. I'm watching C-SPAN, so it's Black History Month. I learned about the Tuskegee Airmen. I learned about the Buffalo Soldiers, so I knew all that. So a guy's on there. He's an author. He wrote a book. Black guy wrote a book. He's a professor at a college. He wrote a book. What does what white Americans? What do white Americans owe black Americans? So I called in, and I told him I'm a white guy. 
I don't owe you nothing. Let me explain something to you, mister. <laughs> You're a young man. You're a young man. You don't remember 1965 Great Society programs. $25 trillion later, that was spent primarily on African Americans, if they want to be called that. I'm an American. I don't know what anybody else is. I'm an American. Who cares what my color is? But let me tell you, I told this fellow, yeah. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because you're a young man. But let me tell you, go look at your history books and see the kind of people who died in the Civil War, along with black men who fought in the Civil I War. I love you, Rick, from Mount Vernon. And you have to call us back and you got to finish. This was good. We got to go. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we're back tomorrow for the Friday edition of Boston Early Rush Hour. Until then, adios.